Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, February the 4th, 2024. It is currently 4.03 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. So I have a question for you. What do you have planned for the next 21 days of your life? For the next 21 days, what do you have planned? What, what is your goals? What, 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 is, what do you have as a priority over the next 21 days? Well, I have the next 21 days planned for you. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to worry about it because for the next 21 days, you're going to be focused well, not just necessarily on one thing. You're going to be focused kind of, well, maybe on 12 things. You're going to be focused on, well, 12 maybe specific books in the Bible. That's what you're going to be doing over the next 21 days. And well, I hope you're ready. I hope this goes well. We're, I think we can have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, remember, everyone, we are currently involved in the Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge, the sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge, where each day you're supposed to grab your phone or your tablet. You're supposed to open it up. You're supposed to open up the sermons 2.0 app, go to the discovery tab, maybe new sermons, and you are to choose a random sermon. You're not supposed to be looking at the denomination, the name of the church. You're you're not even really supposed to be looking at the name of the sermon. You're supposed to be trying to make it as random as possible. But so far in 2024, there have been times where I've given you specific things to look for. But once you look for that particular passage of scripture or topic, then you're supposed to choose the sermon from random. Well, you're going to be doing that for the next 21 days, but you're going to have something specific that you will be, well, randomly choosing from. You're, you're going to have a, a specific thing, but then in that, you'll be choosing at random. So I hope you are ready. I'm going to introduce what we're going to be doing for the next 21 days. Well, by playing this. Listen carefully. I think it's fair to say that for many, if not most, Christians, the uh, minor prophets are not a section of Scripture that they are overly familiar with. Can you name the minor prophets? And even if you can, do you know what each of them wrote about? Yeah, except for maybe Jonah. These books inhabit a pretty obscure section in the middle of our Bibles. Pages may be even stuck together from lack of use. Even what we call them, the minor prophets suggests they're less significant. But for the next three episodes of the Discover the Word podcast, we'd like to help change that assumption in your mind that the minor prophets are minor, not very important, by giving you some solid reasons why they deserve to be far better known than they are. And because in the Hebrew Bible, these writings are collected into a single book known as the Twelve, which is a less negative sounding name than the minor prophets, That's what we're going to call this study, The Twelve. Join us as we explore the stunning array of diverse literary styles and techniques that The Twelve use to contribute to the story of the Bible. It's a piece of the story that we really do need to hear today. So discover the word with us.
That is what you're going to be doing for the next 21 days. You are going to be listening to sermons on the Minor Prophets. So this is what I want you to do right now. First of all, I want you to grab a Bible, which I'm going to do. I'm going to reach down here and well, pick one of, the, one of these Bibles. I think I'll, I'll go for this one. All right. I want you to open your Bible. You can if you would like to do so. You can do this in a couple of ways. You could go to uh, your table of contents. You could go to the table of contents. And when you look at your table of contents, obviously it's going to start with Genesis. Then you've got Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, you go on. You have Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Then you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Some of those are the major prophets, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, right? These books with lots of prophetic content, but they're much larger. Then all of a sudden you come to these names. You come to names like Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. You come to the minor prophets and there are 12. So for the next 21 days, first for the Sermons 2.0 app challenge, what you're going to do is each day you're going to do a search for one of the minor prophets. You could put in Hosea. You could put a specific chapter if you want. You could just put the name of the minor prophet. You can do your searching in different ways. But once you do the search, whatever shows up, then you don't really pay close attention. You choose at random. And then the next day, you may do, you may do the same minor prophet. What you want to ultimately do, accomplish, you're all, in 21 days, you want to at least at a minimum accomplish in 21 days, listening to one sermon for each of the 12 minor prophets. Now, obviously, I want you to do even more than that. I want you to ultimately listen to 21 sermons from the minor prophets, but you want at least one for each. One sermon in Hosea, one sermon in Joel, one sermon in Amos, one in Obadiah, one in Jonah, one in Micah. You get you get the idea, right? I want you to, to go through and at least do that. And once you have one for each, then you can go back and add maybe, you know, you can then try to add two for each, and then may maybe you'll be listening to more than normally. Maybe you can go for three for each, but I want you to listen to as many as possible for the Sermons 2.0 app challenge. Now, while you're doing that, I'll be turning on this microphone. I'll be reviewing some sermons from the Minor Prophets, and also, you just heard the introduction for this week's episode of Discover the Word podcast from Our Daily Bread, they are going to be spending the next three episodes of the Discover the Word podcast in The Minor Prophet. So we'll be mixing that in, and we're just going to spend 21 days, the next 21 days, really trying to We'll do, we'll do as much work as we can in the Minor Prophets. Now, obviously, 21 days, come on, we're not even scratching the surface. Come on, 21 days. We're, we're, we're just, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do a, kind of a flyover, maybe, maybe a flyover. Maybe it's like having a drone flying over it and a couple of times we'll stop and lower the drone and, and look around and then we'll take off again. But 21 days. I think that's that's not, and if you haven't been participating in the Sermons 2.0 app challenge up to this point, maybe you missed all of January and so far you've not done anything in February, well then this is your opportunity to jump into the challenge. So what do you need to do? Download the Sermons 2.0 app, 
the Sermons 2.0 app, and then th the way it works, each day, grab your tablet or phone, wherever you downloaded the Sermons 2.0 app, you'll do a search for the Minor Prophets, like you can pick a chapter or just the name of the book, and then you don't look, don't look at the church, don't look, try to try not to look too, just kind of, you know, scroll real fast, and then boom, tap the screen, and whatever you get, you don't throw a fit, all right? You listen, maybe you're going to agree, maybe you're going to disagree, maybe you're going to love it, Maybe you're going to not be so fond of the style. We we did a we did a like a not really a review, but I did a, one of the random sermons I I I played. I the man was just screaming and going, <gasps> and it was it was so I, I I couldn't even listen to it. Like I was going to use it for a sermon review, and I couldn't even do it. So if you get something like that, may, maybe maybe you'll just kind of have to move on. But do your best, do your best to stay with it, because you're going to hear different preaching styles, different hermeneutical approaches. Great differences in interpretation, especially when you're dealing with the minor prophets, right? When you're dealing with any of the prophetic books, right? If you're coming at, if you're looking at it from someone who's saying more dispensational, they're looking at some of these promises and some of these prophecies as being fulfilled in a literal way for the literal nation of Israel, most likely in the millennial kingdom. If you're listening to someone who's approaching it from a maybe an amillennial position, they're going to say all of these, uh, a lot of these prophecies are going to be fulfilled, not literally, but spiritually, not for the nation of Israel, but for the church. You talk about radically different approaches. So it, by listening to them randomly, I guarantee you're going to get some dispensationalist and you're going to get some amillennialist, right? You're going to get some covenant theology, amillennial, premillennial. You're going to get everything. And that's going to give you a lot of different, well, things to consider and things to struggle with. While all of that is going on, I'll be turning on the microphone at different times, reviewing random sermons that I'll choose from the Sermons 2.0 app on the Minor Prophets, but we'll also be using Discover the Word. Now, you should you should subscribe to the Discover the Word uh, podcast. You can look for it wherever you get your podcasts, Discover the Word. And uh, remember that if you don't know, the way the Discover the Word podcast used to work back in the olden days is there was an episode released Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. One episode each day, and they were about 15 minutes apiece. And the way they were designed was to be like a small group, right? Because there's a small group of people there who record them, and it was supposed to be like your own daily small group that you're participating in. Well, at some point they decided, let's not release these each day. We'll just take all, like each Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll just group it into one episode. Right, and we'll still have the break, the the intro, the outro, the new intro, the, and we'll we'll still just all be be combined, and we'll draw, and we'll release it on Sundays. Well, they released it earlier today, and uh, well, when as soon as I realized it was on the Minor Prophets, I'm like, well, I know what we're doing for the Sermons 2.0 app challenge for the next 21 days. So I hope you're ready. We're gonna we're gonna review the first episode here of the Discover the Word to get us started to kind of hopefully get you in the in the way of thinking. And I hope you take advantage of this. We, we have this awesome tool, the Sermons 2.0 app. I want people utilizing it to the best of their ability because you have millions of sermons that are free right there, all from a very conservative perspective 
And whether we agree or disagree, we're getting challenged. So hopefully you will uh, participate. Now, if you have any questions, you need any help, you can always email me directly, newsif at yahoo.com. That's news, the letter I, the letter F, newsif at yahoo.com. I'll be more than happy to assist you. But for now, let's review the first 15 minutes of Discover the Word, and let's see how they introduce what they're, what's going to be their three-episode journey through the Minor Prophets, and we will utilize this as kind of the foundation for our 21-day journey into the Minor Prophets. It should be fun. We should have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and I, I hope you will benefit greatly from it. So are you ready? Here we go. And welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries. Around the table with you for these next three episodes of the podcast, studying the minor prophets, will be Bill Crowder, Elisa Morgan, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry. And so here is our plan for how this study will go. First, we'll just kind of introduce or reintroduce ourselves to what a prophet is and why we should pay more attention to the 12. And then we'll begin to walk our way through each of the books and in a little over 10 minutes each, do kind of a summary overview of all 12. And then in the last couple segments of the third podcast, then we'll take some time to reflect back on how they fit together into the bigger story the Bible is telling. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about being able to do this together with you, so let's get started. And to begin, here's Bill, who will be... All right, now just immediately realize, so they're going to kind of talk about what a prophet is. All right, that's interesting. And we'll see which way, which direction they're going to go. Now, because it's our daily bread, they're going to, I guarantee you, I, I, well, my prediction is they're going to go way around any controversial issues, okay? Any controversial issues? Because obviously we know there are many people running around today claiming to be prophets. And when they say claiming to be prophets, it's not that they're just proclaiming the revealed word of God in scripture, but they're claiming that they're, they have been given divine revelation, divine information, and they are giving these prophecies. And in many cases, the prophecies come Absolute, they absolutely do not occur, but they don't want to then incur the, the, well, the punishment of what should have happened in the Old Testament if our prophet got it wrong because you proved you're not from God. They just move on to the next one and the next one and the next one. So yes, I, I don't know how much they're going to get into. I know they're going to avoid all of that. Maybe they'll at least touch on it. We will see. And then did you hear what they're going to do? They're going to dedicate 10 minutes to each book. 10 minutes to each book over uh, in the second episode, 10 minutes. Wow. I mean, now like you're not going to get a lot. So we're, again, we're using this simply, we're going to just, we're just going to use this as kind of a tool. Your, the goal for you is the Sermons 2.0 app, because every sermon you pull up on the Sermons 2.0 app dealing with the minor prophets, I guarantee you they're going to be probably between a minimum 30, but probably close to an hour almost without fail. So We'll see where they're going to go with this, but this will get us kind of started on what we're going to be doing for the next 21 days. So here we go. Let's listen to what they do. Leading us on this journey through the 12. Do you like the familiar or do you prefer to explore new things? 
totally depends what it is. If it's my bed, I love the familiar. Um, <laughs> I'd rather sleep in my bed than any hotel or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's also fun to travel and to experience new places. And, and <laughs> I always, I'm sorry, I have to laugh. I have to laugh because I, I just went so many times, so much of what happens within, I call it church life. There's templates, right? Sermons follow templates. I hate templates. I hate the sermon template. And I loathe in many ways the small group template. Like maybe there was a brief moment in my Christian life because, you know, I, as I was, as I became a Christian, you know, I started hearing small group, 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 small groups. It was like, you know, the world will blow up unless you're a part of a small group. Your Christianity will go down in flames and you'll die and go to hell. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but it's not far. But these small groups, it's always like a small group. So we start with, that's kind of the break the ice question. Hey, do you like the familiar or the unfamiliar? Well, and then and then everyone in the small group will usually throw something out like, well, it depends on, I mean, you're talking about my bed. I like the familiar. And everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. Right? And so it breaks the ice to get everyone going. I know that that's the template, but sometimes it's like, how about we just jump in and dig into the minor prophets, right? But okay. I know some of you love that. Some of you love the break the ice question. I know that. I know a lot of people because they, they feel much more comfortable and well, saying something, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't. Is that is that just a, a a pet peeve of mine? Probably is. It probably is. But so, do you do you desire the familiar or the unfamiliar? Now, obviously, they're going to tie this into the minor prophets because the assumption is that most Christians are unfamiliar with the minor prophets. Now, let's make this very clear. Uh, when I was younger, I blamed churches. I blame churches for people being unfamiliar with the minor prophets. I used to blame churches for the fact that people were biblically illiterate. I used to blame churches for the fact that no one knew how to study their Bible. I used to blame churches for the fact that no one knew theology, doctrine, or church history. But I have now changed my view, and any Christian who is biblically illiterate, doesn't know the minor prophets, don't know how to study their Bible, doesn't know theology, and doesn't know church history. You only have yourself to blame because in the age in which we live, all of that information and material is readily available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the internet. You can listen to sermon after sermon, college lectures, seminary lectures. You can find out everything you need. You can read every word the church fathers have that's recorded. You can read all of it. You can read history books, you can, you can, you look, the, your ignorance is no one's fault but your own. I used to blame the church. I used to blame the church. And so then I was like, well, when I, when I have a church, we're going to teach doctrine and theology and church history. And people are going to come flocking in because they're starving for it because they're not getting in other churches. And people would come in going, Oh, this is what I want until, well, they actually wanted fun, food and fellowship and they, and they wanted something else. Uh, And then guess what? They would leave and go to the, just the typical church. They said that they were starving because the typical church didn't teach any of this. Well, that's kind of what people want. They claim they want the other, but they really don't. So I'm now jaded on that. But yeah, so I think that's the direction they're going to go. So I'm going to be like, if you don't know the minor prophets, look in the mirror. Now, I want to do everything to help you. 
But just just make it very clear. <laughs> There's been a bazillion books written on the minor prophets. They're available to anyone who wants them, right? All you have to do is look for them, purchase them, check them out of a library, download them for your Kindle, whatever the case may be. You can just read them, or you could just take your Bible and start reading the minor prophets, right? So, all right, here we go. That yeah. way it's unfamiliar. Same. I, I like both. I really do. I love my routine. I love hanging out with my grandsons. You know, I love the predictability of the everyday life, but I also love surprises and, you know, getting out <laughs> and just exploring something I've never done before. So, yeah, both. Good. Yeah, I'm definitely on the explore new things side of the continuum. I even like finding new ways to get to the same place, which sometimes oh. drives my wife crazy. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, just try to always find the best route, the most efficient. And so, huh. yeah, I'm definitely a new things person. You don't use your GPS and just obey? Sometimes. Sometimes I do, sometimes <laughs> I don't. I like to explore new things. <laughs> okay, okay. When it comes to something like food, my wife and I are badly mismatched. I like what I like, and I'm not oh, yeah. interested in finding new stuff, but she wants to experiment <laughs> with food whenever she can. She likes trying new things, and I like the familiar. So this next few weeks of conversations, we're going to be exploring something that I think for many of us, if not many of our listeners, will be rather unfamiliar, and that's mm -hmm. a portion of the scriptures we don't often turn to. And that's the minor prophets. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in there that we're going to yeah. explore together over the next few weeks. But Now, I'm going to ask this question. Now, I can't hear from you, right? I mean, I can't hear you. But feel free to email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I, I have heard this refrain. I've heard this, and I've even stated it in my own preaching because I taught through the minor prophets before in our own church. We spent... I don't know, it felt like a year, maybe two years in the Minor Prophets. We spent a long time in the Minor Prophets. So I've taught through the Minor Prophets. I've done different things uh, in, with the Minor Prophets in, in the past. But I, and I've used the same refrain because it's just been repeated over and over and over and over and over and over. And I think I've heard it my whole Christian life. Like I hear it about Leviticus. No one really understands and knows Leviticus. And no one really knows and understands the Minor Prophets. And there's probably a few other books that you hear that all the time. Now, I wonder how much of that is just, it's like, this is just the way, this is what everyone, every preacher says, every Christian program says, this is, this is what they say in Bible college, seminary. This is what they always say. These are the books no one knows. It, is it just become now almost a marketing slogan for your sermon series? Hey, we're going to be studying the minor prophets and nobody knows these and nobody understands. Is it just something you say to kind of hype the series that you're about to do? Do you think it's more marketing? Or do you think there's actual truth to the fact that most Christians don't know the minor prophets? And if most Christians don't know the minor prophets, why do you think that is? And do not blame the church. Because that wouldn't tell me that those Christians who don't know the minor prophets, why have they not sat down with a Bible, a notebook, a basic, you know, some basic Bible study methods, maybe a, cha a chapter summary method for each chapter of a minor prophets. You could at least do an observational chapter summary, right? Like what do you, you could at least grab, you could do a book background study of any of them. Like I can give you clear Bible study methods that one could utilize. Why? Why do you think, what is it? There's got to be a reason the average person either doesn't read them, doesn't look to them, 
Because either something is controlling what they're looking at, which is either some devotional guides, or they're just too, I don't know, don't want to, don't want to participate. I don't know. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? I don't, I don't have an answer. This is, this is always those situations where I, th- I, I say it all the time. I think the pulpit and the pew constantly, they either speak past one another or they don't speak because I think the p- people in the pew are the ones who can usually are the ones who can be honest. But in many cases, the people in the pew don't want to be honest because it would make them sound very unspiritual. Because I think sometimes people in the pew need to say, you know what? I don't want to study the Bible and I don't want to know church history and I don't care about theology. And the last thing I want to do is read the minor prophets and try to figure it out. So no, I'm not doing it because sometimes it's just, that's the reason. But everyone says that nobody seems to understand them. But how many books? I bet you you could go to Amazon right now, amazon.com, and do a search for the Minor Prophets and probably find countless study guides and books and commentaries. And uh, who knows? I know and almost, look, of all the, I mean, I've gone to so many, I've attended so many Bible institutes, Bible colleges, seminaries. It's it's ridiculous, all the different schools I've uh, went to. But I don't think there was a school that I ever attended that did not have at least one course on the Minor Prophets. So, I mean, it's, it's, is it, is this become just what we say, or is there some tangible proof of it? I, I don't know. All right, let's continue. It is a part that, as New Testament people, we don't really explore much. I mean, even in Bible study, I gravitate toward the Gospels, because sure. that's kind of my happy place where I'm most familiar and most comfortable. Okay, let me stop right there. In his Bible study, he gravitates to certain books This is why I am constantly challenging you to do things like the lectionary. Why? Well, because you don't get to choose. Like like today, for if you listen to the sermon for today, we went through the lectionary readings today. I would have never chosen Job, 1 Corinthians, and Mark 1 as no, I got I got confronted with these passages and figuring out what to do. That's why I challenge that's the sermons 2.0 app challenge. You're going to discover, you're going to the discover tab, you're going to new sermons, and you're just scrolling and you're just you're just closing your eyes and tapping the screen. Whatever you get, you're going to be confronted with maybe something you don't want, you wouldn't want to study, something you would not want to listen to. That's why I also suggest I'm going to reach over here. I can reach them. We were doing these for a long time. I was trying to get everyone to, to we, I mean, at one point we were providing the digital copies, uh, the Explore the Bible from Lifeway, their, their study guides, right? We were doing the, we were doing multiple ones of these. Why? Because each quarter you would get a new one in the mail if you did the physical copy or you would look online and whatever the next one was, look, we were, whatever, whatever was there is what we were confronted with. And we had to figure out what to do and study it. I like being put in a situation where I'm not choosing so that I'm not then falling into a trap of just, I'm just going to read the gospels. I'm just going to read the gospels. I'm just going to read the gospels. No, you need to be confronted with all the word from Genesis to Revelation Genesis to Revelation, old and new, major prophets, minor prophets, you know, poetry, history, every, you need to be, you need all, you know, all, all of it. So, um, 
Yeah, so I, I, I think you need to ensure that in your Christian life, you've got different, different things are happening so that you don't just fall into you picking what you want to hear and you're studying what you want. That's one of the benefits of church is you're, you're showing up and you don't get to pick what's being preached, even though many people think they say they can, but it's not supposed to be that way. All right, here we go. That doesn't mean I never study anything else. It's just that's what I gravitate to. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, have you ever spent much time in the minor prophets? And you can feel free to be perfectly <laughs> candid about this. Oh, I have this terrible illustration that when I was graduating from seminary, the president who was Haddon Robinson in those days, you know, asked me to sum up the book of Obadiah, which is a minor prophet. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm not sure I've ever read it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. we'll get to um, If you're graduating from seminary and you've never even read the book of Obadiah. Now, she may have said it in jest. She may have been having a little bit of fun, but it it just makes it makes my skin crawl a little bit because I loathe the whole seminary industrial complex where people pay all of this money to go to these schools where you have, you have a degree from a seminary. Oh yeah. Look at you. And I will argue most of the time, it's not worth the money you paid. You could have got a far better education with a Bible, a notebook, a pencil and an internet connection. All right, just look at the Sermons 2.0 app. If you use that app and you just listen and listen and listen and you take good notes and you do additional study and additional research and you get some basic reference tools, some Bible dictionaries, Bible encyclopedias, some basic reference, you know the 12 uh, basic Bible study methods. I'm telling you, very, there, there's only certain things in seminary that you may not be able to get that way, right? Maybe, maybe study in the original language if you're going to do any an intensive study in Hebrew or Greek. But most everything else, you can easily become as proficient or more proficient without ever stepping foot into a seminary. If you can graduate from seminary, now I know she's saying it in joke and joking, but I'm saying if you can graduate from seminary and you've never, you don't even know if you've ever read the book of Obadiah, I'm so <laughs> you got ripped off. Okay. All right. Let's continue. Do it in a few days. So <laughs> I can't uh, believe I actually graduated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I dabble, I would say, like, yeah, you know, there's a few key verses in, in some of these minor prophet books that have yeah. been so prominent that I know them. So like in Joel, seeing that in Acts chapter two about, you know, the spirit being poured out. But I can't say I would have a huge handle. Mm -hmm. I spent a whole lot of time in the other chapters sure. or in Amos when it talks about justice or things like that. Like there have been yeah. these key kind of classic Versus, yeah. right, Micah 6, 8. Yeah. But as a whole, can't say I hang out there a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because it's hard. It's like you have to know so much history. Yeah. You have to know so yeah. much, like, imagery. It's a lot going on. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Now, okay, I, I, I do appreciate their honesty here, right? I do appreciate the honesty. Do you think... that the average person in the pew avoids the minor prophets because they're hard... Now, 
this bothers me a little bit. If you're avoiding the minor prophets because you think they're hard, then that means you somehow have convinced yourself that the other books aren't hard. Wait, you think the other books aren't hard? I know, look, I know there's an entire theological concept that most evangelical Protestants hold to that I reject. And that's the idea that the scriptures can be easily understood. Oh yeah, there's there's an aspect of them that are deep, but for the main most part, the average Christian can understand them with a basic ability to read. I, dis, I disagree wholeheartedly with that. Because if that was true, if the Bible was easily understood, then why can't Christians agree on the word repentance? Why can't the uh, Christians agree on the word baptism? Why can't a Christians agree uh, on salvation? He said, well, we agree on salvation. No, we don't. You've got every view from Calvinistic to non-Calvinistic, Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, Augustinian, Calvinistic, uh, Arminian. You've got everything, lordship, non-lordship. You've got everything in the world going on. We don't agree on, we don't agree on the Lord's Supper for crying out loud. Open, closed, closed. We, there is literally nothing we agree on. So if you are like, well, the minor prophets are hard, then that's telling me that you think other parts are easy. And I disagree. I disagree. I don't think any of it's easy. Because if it was easy, we would not have thousands of denominations where everyone claims that they're right and everyone else is wrong. Right? So I, I appreciate the honesty that, hey, I think they're hard. But the problem is, I, I, if I was there in that small group, I'd be like, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So which part do you say is easy? And then we would probably end up in an argument. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. There's none of, none of it is easy. All right, let's continue. Yeah, I, w I would agree. All the metaphors, it's so easy to get lost in the minor prophets and they're not less important but we kind of treat them like minor prophets yeah. <laughs> in one way where it's like ah, eh, well I, I like to focus on the majors <laughs> not the minors yeah. and i've actually talked to people before who said why should we even bother with the minor prophets i mean that's all just mm -hmm. literally ancient history why even bother yeah. with it okay I have never heard a Christian say, why should we bother with it? If I had a Christian tell me, why should we even bother with the minor prophets? That's ancient history. Then I would be like, well, then why would you worry about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, all of these books that happen even before the minor prophets? <laughs> Who would say that? Well, that's ancient history. Well, what do you call the Gospels? Are they not ancient history compared to where we are in 2024? So then you wouldn't read it, even read the Bible because it's all ancient. That's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what Christian would say that. All right, uh, so that's <laughs> if you're avoiding the minor prophets because they're old. Okay, then I don't. I I I don't. I don't get that. I now the other one is like, well, there's so many metaphors. I don't know. Are there metaphors in the well? Well, what about the major prophets? What about the book of Revelation, right? Like, 
Nah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm still not being given a tangible reason that makes any sense to me why Christians don't know. They're, they're trying to give me some reasons, but I'm not accepting any of these reasons as even, as being anything other than it sounds like the dog ate my homework. That's what it sounds like. And just to kind of get us kickstarted, I'll give you two reasons why we should pay attention to the minor prophets. First reason is because they're scripture. And Paul told Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It may Hmm. not be automatically on the front surface of things why it's profitable, but in a sense, it's our job as Bible students to discover what makes it profitable. And then the second reason is because this was part of the Bible that Jesus had and preached and taught Mm -hmm. from, and he quoted a number of times from the minor prophets. So why don't we just kind of start right there? If one of you would read Hosea 6, verse 6, and then another one get Matthew 9, verse 13. I can read Hosea. Okay. Uh, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Okay. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Okay. Who's got Matthew 9, 13? I've got it. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, so here, in one of his earliest encounters with the religious leaders, which was a relationship that I think we can say was... Complicated? Yeah, it was baked (laughs) in friction. Uh, In one of his first encounters with them, he makes his point by quoting one of the minor prophets. He also quoted Malachi 3, verse 1, and he used Jonah, who's probably the most familiar of the minor prophets to us. He used Jonah as a picture of his coming resurrection. And so Jesus leaned into the minor prophets and found value there. And I think for that reason and the fact that it's spirit-inspired scripture, it's reason for us to give attention to it and try to see what we can make of it. I wonder if it'd be Okay, I kind of cut him off right there, the next person saying, I wonder if, and we'll we'll see. But once again, this kind of drives me a a little crazy. What Christian, I mean, all Christians know all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for, you know, for reproof, for correction, instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Okay, we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But that doesn't seem to motivate Christians to study the minor prophets, if, if the assumption is that Christians don't know the minor prophets. And... Jesus quoting the minor prophets, I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't know that, right? So that still doesn't seem to, I mean, I know that that's standard reason given for why we should study it, but what Christians don't already know that, it yet still doesn't seem to motivate. There's got to be, there's got to be something, I, I still don't know if we've found or stumbled upon the issue, but let's see, this other person is like, I wonder if, and I don't know what he's getting ready to say, let's jump in helpful, Bill, just to kind of define what a prophet is first, even before we go into minor prophets. I... Okay, so he's going to, they're going to define what a prophet is. They're going to define what a prophet is. Now, typically, we draw a distinction between priest and prophet this way. I don't know if they're going to draw this distinction. The priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. The prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God. Priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. A prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God. All right? So, they are to proclaim and declare God's word to the people. 
Now, immediately, I just want to make sure that this, I think this is very important because one of the things that drives me crazy so much about the evangelical world, it's been so influenced by the charismatic world. Charismatics always have this basic assumption that God speaks to every single person. Most evangelicals believe it in some way, shape, or form. God said this to me. God spoke this. God said this to me. I heard God, or I felt God was telling me this, or I felt God telling me this. And they always tell these stories that God said, you know, I didn't know what to do, and I heard God say. Now, they're not meaning audible, but some an, an inner voice that God speaks to them, speaks to them. Every Christian claims God speaks to them, right? It's just, it's insane. I don't know why anybody owns a Bible, because God supposedly is speaking to people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even though God is speaking to everyone, Christians still can't agree on anything. So you think if God was speaking to everyone, he would say something like, hey, Here's the right doctrine, but no, he's telling you where to park and to go on vacation or which house to buy or who to date or all these other, but he's not giving you, he's not fixing like the division of in Christianity. Okay, but whatever. All right. So, but I think it's interesting that even in the Bible itself, God is not speaking to everyone. He spoke to specific individuals, and then those individuals was to declare that word to the people, and then in many cases, they were to then record those words in Scripture. So even in the Bible itself, God wasn't speaking to everyone. So where in the world do Christians come up with this idea, God said this to me, God said this to me? No, if God speaks to you... It's through his word now. And then the role of a prophet, now that the word of God is complete, is not for someone to declare new revelation. No, it is to, it is to tell, it's to foretell the, the word of God. That, that the role of a prophet today is to preach that which has been revealed in scripture. There's no more, no more revelation. But Christians all walk around, God said this to me, God said this to me, God said, God said, God said, God. No, God is not talking to you unless you're reading scripture. Then he's talking to you. Because he wasn't talking to everyone even in biblical times when they didn't even have a, so when God was not speaking to everyone, even when they did not have a completed revelation. Now that we have a complete revelation, why in our right mind would we think God would be talking to us when he's given us his completed revelation in scripture? All right. So, all right, let's see how they are going to define a prophet. I feel like today we talk about prophecy, prophets, that type of language in maybe a different way than they would have in the Old Testament. So how would you kind of describe first who and what a prophet was in this context? Well, you're right. When we in our culture, think about prophets and prophecy. We think about somebody telling the future. Mm-hmm. And to be certain, there is a component of that, especially in the Old Testament prophets. You've already mentioned Rasul Joel chapter 2, where Joel talks about the Spirit being poured out, and that, in a sense, speaking in advance of what would happen in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And Peter pointed that out in his Pentecost message. So there can be a telling the future component to it, but most of the time to prophesy was to just make a proclamation. It was to declare something, and the prophets, whether the major prophets or the minor prophets, were usually making a proclamation to someone about where they had fallen into sin and needed to repent in order to receive mercy and forgiveness. Does that help any? Yeah, it does. I think... 
I'm also thinking of how there's like the accusation and the call to repentance, but then yeah. there's also like the glimmers of hope yep. throughout too. Yeah. And then I feel like the prophets are also the ones that maybe embody the message in their bodies the most because <laughs> they often have a very interesting experience, whether it's like mm -hmm. building a city and laying down next to it for a long time or cooking over poop and having to eat what they're cooking. Like there's some really weird things that happen in the they're prophets odd. too. Yeah, they're yeah. odd dudes. You know, I think as the Bible Project guy said that a uh, prophet is somebody who's had a radical encounter with God. And yeah. and so you picture, you know, crazy hair and, you know, ripped up clothes and, you know, eating locusts. And, you know, they've been radically changed by God. And so they feel very, very strongly that others be radically changed by God and obey him. Uh, one thing that I think is... Okay, I'm I'm not down with the way they just handled it. They're not strange dudes. Okay? They're not strange dudes. Almost in every situation those strange actions were called on by God to engage in strange action because the strange action in and of itself was a prophetic message. All right? So, so they, they're, they're eating locusts and, and what they ate almost in every situation, especially when you look at Ezekiel and Isaiah, their actions was, it was the message in and itself. The action was a message. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, like a, a, a lesson right there, an object lesson in front of everyone. It was like a, a living drama. They were doing these things and it was, it was foretelling and uh, maybe a prophesying something. It was proclaiming something. So for example, this, this is very important. What I would, this is what I would challenge you to do. Right? This is what I would challenge you to do. Now, we, we, I could pick one of the minor prophets, but I'm going to challenge us to do this. And I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but I'm going to challenge you to do this, all right? And we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to weave this into everything we're going to be doing. I want you to look up all of the descriptions of John the Baptist, because whether you know this or not, John the Baptist is technically the last Old Testament prophecy because technically the New Testament really kicks in with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophecy. I want you to look, the Bible specifically, it describes his dress and his diet where it doesn't do that for other people. It doesn't do that. So clearly from a textual perspective, you're like, well, why is God wanting me to know that he was wearing this and he was eating this? Why? Because I think it, he, John the Baptist was carrying out the prophetic tradition of his actions and clothing and diet, in many cases, was a picture. Well, what does locust? Almost inevitably, almost inevitably, locust is connected with judgment. Almost inevitably it is. So is John the Baptist trying to demonstrate that Israel was going to be partaking in, in a sense, eating of God's judgment and that they needed to repent because, well, they are being judged because of their rebellion and their idolatry. And ultimately, well, judgment does come upon them in 70 AD. Now, he's wearing other things. Some of the other things he's wearing, uh, I think if you look, I think some of it, I, if I remember correctly, is, is considered unclean. Like it would be a biblically unclean animal for a Jew to be touching or have anything to do with. Well, if that's the case, could he be not then trying to be demonstrate to Israel that they are unclean? And, and then he's eating, I think, wild honey. Well, honey typically is connected with the, you know, the promised land, right? 
a land flowing with milk and honey, but wild honey, that may have some other cor- uh, a negative connotation. Maybe wild honey has something more to do with maybe a false message or a false gospel. So I think if you start looking at that, so I want you to just look at, just write out every description of John the Baptist and then just start cross-referencing and see if you could find scriptures that could possibly explain what some of it meant. It's not that they were just strange dudes who had a radical encounter with God. No, I think that they were carrying out the prophetic tradition of not only proclaiming with their mouth either a prophetic message or simply proclaiming a message for that moment, but by demonstrating it as an object lesson and clothes they were wearing or the clothes they were not wearing. Okay, what they were eating, what they were not eating, whatever they were doing. And that's that's just, I mean, come on. We, we, we can handle it better than saying they were strange dudes. I mean, that's, that's some, that person on that program went to seminary, remember? You should, from a seminary education, you should be able to say more than they were strange dudes. They appeared strange, but if you understand the prophets, it appears normal because all the prophets seem to be engaged in similar activities is also significant is the fact that the prophets make up the minority view in the religious tradition of Israel. Like they are oftentimes speaking to the majority of the power brokers, the the priests, the king, and challenging that authority. And so that just, I thought was really helpful as an insight to understand some of why they seem so peculiar and so out there is because they really are trying to speak truth to power in the very society that they live in. Well, I don't like the truth to power concept. It sounds too uh, almost political, but I will say this. We talked about this in our study of Jeremiah over and over and over. The prophets were in the minority and the people, the religious leaders rejected them. Now, what I find interesting is today, if someone is proclaiming a message that is outside of the norm, the majority of Christians will reject it going, they're crazy, they're ridiculous. Well, wait a minute. So who, who then is right? Is the majority of Christianity right or is the minority of Christianity? Or can we really take anything from that? But it is something that you should at least stop and consider is like, wait a minute. All the prophets were always in the minority. Why was that? Why is it that the religious leaders and the religious people never could see the truth? I wonder how many religious people today, how many churchgoers today, really don't see the truth. Now, I, then I would ask, am I even seeing the truth? Well, lots of questions. Sorry. So I don't know if they really answered what a prophet is. Prophet is someone who speaks to the people on behalf of God. Sometimes they are proclaiming prophetic predictions or pro, uh, prophetic statements about the future, and sometimes they are proclaiming the word of God for the immediate time in which they proclaim it. All right. Sometimes they are giving prophecy of the future, and sometimes they're giving proclamation of the word in the present, all right? It's the whole idea about foretelling and forthtelling. We learned that in Bible college and seminary. Forthtelling and foretelling, all right? You get the basic concept, but let's let them wrap this up. When we think about the prophets, I think what we need to keep in mind is that 
They were called of God to deliver messages to certain people groups at a certain point in their history. And those messages were messages from God. They were, as sometimes the prophets even say, the word of the Lord to those Mm -hmm. people at that time. And when it comes to the major versus minor, what's the difference? Why is one major and the other minor? Is it less important? has a lot to do with size. Yeah. Um, in fact, the minor prophets are sometimes called the 12. And when you collect all of them together, they're about the same size as one of the major prophets. So yeah. all of them together is about the same size as Isaiah or one of the others. So they're shorter, but not in yeah. stature. <laughs> they're shorter yeah. in terms of the length of the message. Yeah. Yes. And it is, as you said, Daniel, it is interesting that they're referred to as the 12 in uh, Jewish scholarship. Because when we hear the phrase, the 12, what do we think of? Disciples, yeah. We think of the disciples. A Jewish person who was maybe unfamiliar with that language might think about the 12 tribes of Israel as the 12. So it's interesting. You see this designation of the 12 pop up, Mm. and it's Mm. the term used, as you rightly said, Daniel, to describe these 12 minor prophets. Now, as to the length of them, just to give you a little bit of data so you know that I studied, (laughs) The longest minor prophet is Zechariah, which is 4,855 words. The shortest of the major prophets is Daniel, which is 9,000 words. So there's a big gap there between the two. Now, the shortest prophet is Obadiah. It's only 440 words, and it's only one chapter and 21 verses. So we are talking about as you said, Daniel, much shorter books Mm -hmm. compared to an Isaiah or an Ezekiel or a Jeremiah. Uh, There's also another distinction that I think we need to make, and that's in the word writing, because these were the writing prophets as opposed to the speaking prophets. Mm -hmm. What would be an example of a speaking prophet? Uh, Elijah or Elisha. They were known for their proclamations, but you don't really see them writing, but you see people writing about them. Yeah, Mm. and that is a really interesting distinction because somebody else wrote down their messages to people from God. The writing prophets themselves wrote down their own messages, we believe, and captured them for posterity and for further learning and benefit, which is why we have them and they've been carried on through the many generations since then. So over the next 15 conversations, you're going to have to buckle in and hang with us on this because this is going to be a longer than usual series, at least for me, to lead. But uh, but I think it'll, it'll be a worthwhile adventure diving into the 12 minor prophets and learning what they might have to say to our generation today. And there you have it. So look up Discover the Word podcast, subscribe to it. Then you can fast forward through the first part, which is about 13 minutes, 13 minutes and 12 seconds. And then it'll go immediately into the second conversation. And they're going to be doing it for a couple of weeks. So as they do it for a couple of weeks, well, that will that will coincide perfectly with our 21 days in the Minor Prophets for the Sermons 2.0 App Sermon Challenge. What you'll do for the next, starting Monday, what you'll do for the next 21 days is each day you'll grab the Sermons 2.0 app on whichever device you're using. You'll do a search for one of the Minor Prophets. You can start with Hosea, just type in Hosea, or you could put in Hosea 1, whatever the case may be, and just randomly choose and hit play. There you go. And you take notes. 
right? Then the next day, you can either do something else in Hosea. Well, what I would say is the first 12 days is just one sermon in each of the 12 minor prophets. Just, just go through one, one random sermon, one random sermon, and then you'll, whatever you get from it, you get from it. Then after 12 days, then go back and you can go back to one of the books. You can or just try to do 12 more, right? But 21 days in the Minor Prophets. And then in the mix of all of that, I'll be doing, well, sermon reviews from the Minor Prophets. Whenever I do a sermon review, I'll be on the Minor Prophets. And I'll be reviewing some of the audio from Discover the Word. I won't be reviewing all of it, but I'll be reviewing some of it, analyzing it, critiquing it. And there you have it. Should be fun. Should be beneficial. There you go. All right. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And I'm trying to hurry because it's been one hour and three minutes. And I'll get some email going, your programs are too long. If you would not get so fired up and so, uh, yeah, okay. I, I got it. I got it. I know. I know. They're too long. You. You do realize you can hit pause or stop, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I try I try not to get frustrated. Sometimes I get frustrated with my email inbox. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I think someone just posted something in the chat. All right, okay, good. Someone I gave it a heart. I'm assuming that's a good thing, unless it's like a bad thing. All right. All right. There we go. I'm joking. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Everyone have a great Sunday. And for the next 21 days, let's see what we can gain from, well, a journey through the minor prophets in 12 and in what, 21 days. Yeah. I was going to say 12 prophets, 21 days. Yeah. 12, 12 minor prophets in 21 days. It's numbers. I'll get it all confused. All right. The next thing you'll hear me saying is we're spending 12 days in the 21 prophets. Okay. If I do that, just know it's numbers. I never get numbers correct. Okay. All right. Or much of anything else. All right. Email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening. God bless.